You're getting juiced up over there. What kind of coffee you got? Got myself a, a blonde white chocolate mocha. I like them mm. sweet and I like them strong. Nice. I was recently in public and there was a uh, a coffee machine. I didn't know how to use it. It was like a self-serve coffee machine. And I hit... I. I just hit a button on it. I, I just like there were a bunch of names like Americano, Mocha. Uh, I just wanted a regular coffee, right? Yeah. And so I was like looking for the button that I thought would just be regular. Like I was just looking for like regular a button that just said regular coffee. Couldn't yeah. find anything. So I hit this one button that was like faded out. I was like, this has got to be it. The button that everybody uses, right? The the words yep. are faded out. This has got to be it. And it only filled up the bottom of my cup. And I was like, hmm. So I pressed the button again. Yeah, it filled up another quarter of the cup. Press the button, and I like filled it all the way up. And the lady came over. She's like, "Wow, you're really you're really going for it this morning." I was like, "Well, I just the coffee machine is it's not working." She's like, "Well, that's a, that's espresso," and I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> so that could be, that could have been really bad. But we're not here to talk about coffee today. Uh, we're oh. here to talk about uh, a, a very important topic. Um, Scott, I want to have you introduce yourself and tell us about what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, hi, everybody. I am Scott of Candidocious. Please check out my Instagram. And uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, cannabis use disorder uh, and abuse liability, all kind of on that same topic. Um, you know, why is dependency becoming a larger issue with cannabis? Um, and how does that occur in the body? Why is it happening? And um, what can we do to be a better community uh, to support those who do suffer from cannabis use disorder? Hell yeah. Well, I guess, do you want to start out with uh, just kind of defining what what is cannabis use disorder? And then we'll go from there. Where sure. You, start? Um, you know, actually, I, I, I would like to start with abuse liability. Cool. Let's um, do it. Abuse liability or abuse potential, maybe, maybe it's a little bit more cleaner English, is how, how a drug, how, how addictive is a drug? How, how likely is it that this drug will uh, uh, cause somebody to abuse it? Uh, sorry for a lot of us and ums there, but that's really the, the long and short of it. It's what's the chance that this drug will be abused? And let's start with um, a very, a very difficult thing to discuss, which is what is drug abuse in general? Um, now, drug abuse is defined as the intentional non-therapeutic use of a drug or product even once. So if hmm. you go out drinking, for example you're abusing alcohol. Is that a terrible thing? Is that a moral failing? I actually very much say no. I think that people have been doing drugs for thousands of years. I, I love history and I study ancient Greece and in ancient Greece, they were drinking wine and um, using hashish. And so there's a lot of uh, evidence to suggest it is very human to use drugs is the word I like to use. To use. Sure. That being said, we do define drug abuse as using it for a non-therapeutic use. And that's that's pretty interesting. And even once, like if you're just using a drug for, I mean, and that makes sense. I mean, think about it. We generally think of drugs as like, hey, there's something wrong with my biochemistry and it's causing this problem. How do I fix it? Yes. And not, not always that the drug fixes it, but it maybe addresses it, right? Yeah. No, so, that's correct. How, am I, how, right. how do I use this drug? to treat my symptoms yeah yeah um now there's four parameters for which we can um measure abuse potential and those four parameters are reinforcement tolerance dependence and relapse um let's start with um the first one now they, these don't technically happen in any specific order Mm -hmm. But I do kind of list these off in the way that I think um, happened for me, at least. Yeah. The, my personal experiences. And first, reinforcement um, happens because a drug just feels good, right? Um, because you take a drug, 
i.e. cannabis, and you have this big dopamine release and the effects of um, that drug are rewarding, um, you want to do the drug again. And therefore, it is reinforcing to do it again because you do it again and you get that dopamine release again. And it, again, uh, hijacks the body's reward system with the release of dopamine and other pleasure chemicals. And mm-hmm. it reinforces the fact that you want this drug more now. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to tempt anybody, but you just talking about it makes me want to spark up right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfectly okay um you know for myself uh I, I i i'm sure others would disagree with me for me it was a, a very temporal thing for me to stop i still do use cannabis but i use it much less than what i used to i used to like you know smoke an eighth a day or you know if i wanted to leave the house and go do xyz i'd take a bomb rip first right and that's mm-hmm. just not a productive way to live your life um, so what I did was I took a three month break and I reestablished my relationship with cannabis. So now instead of smoking all day, every day, I smoke two, three times a week. Um, and it's like a joint and mm-hmm. that's, that's all I need these days. And gotcha. it's just a different relationship with it. Um, so we've discussed reinforcement, right? Yeah. Um, just want to make sure I, I got my notes here, and I want to make sure I just go through it. No, it's okay. That's okay. Yeah. No, I think I. This was going to be my question. Yeah. How do you the the attributes or uh, the the? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm glad that we're going through this. What what makes a drug uh, have that potential, right? So. Yes. Okay. I, I found where I am in my notes. Perfect. Um, so, right, we discussed the reinforcement. Mm-hmm. And, right, so we discussed this reinforcing effect where you take the drug and it feels good. Um, and that reinforces your desire to do it. So, you, and, you know, you, you keep doing it, right? And you start to build a tolerance. Um, the body is a wonderful mechanism of adaptability. Adapt, adaptability. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> and the body is beginning to uh, adapt to having this drug in it. Uh, and in this case, the cannabinoids that produce the cannabis euphoric effects um, start to get metabolized easier. Um, your body does this by producing enzymes that metabolize the drugs such as THC faster and eventually um, more and more of the drug is needed for that dopamine and pleasure chemical release. Um, So you start to build a tolerance. Right. Um, And because your body starts to develop this tolerance, the, the need to take more and more of this drug in to release those pleasure chemicals, this can quickly and easily turn into dependence. Um, where the body has now adjusted to being in homeostasis with the drug in the body. Gotcha. And is that the third, third qualification? That's that the third qualification. That is. Um, gotcha. And, you know, that's when, you know, you, you officially do become dependent on that drug or not officially, but when you actually do become dependent on that drug, is when the body adjusts to being in homeostasis with the drug in the body. For me, a good example is I used to joke with people that I don't smoke to get high anymore. I smoke to get normal. Mm. You know, I, I, you know, I felt more normal after I'd smoked a joint or more sober. Uh, And that's a pretty solid indication um, that your body has adjusted to being in homeostasis with the drug in the body. Right. So when you're not doing the drug, your body is out of homeostasis. That's correct. Like, whoa. Yeah. Exactly. Um, your body craves homeostasis. That's, that's um, uh, you know, a big part actually of what the endocannabinoid system does. It keeps the body in homeostasis, which is medical jargon for your body is working the way it should be and it's yeah. regulated. Yeah. 
I think of it as like all even keel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your your body is where it wants to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's just really quick. I don't want to derail our conversation. Remember that we're on the th- third one, dependency. I don't want to you know lose where we're at. But this is, I would imagine that this is why um, when you stop using cannabis, a lot of people report having really vibrant dreams. Um, it, it's, it's like a symptom of your body being out of homeostasis. Uh, also, cannabis, I've heard, I mean, this is, this is a kind of a nuanced topic, but cannabis can affect your, rim, your sleep cycle, it, basically causing you to skip through REM, which is why some people either don't dream or don't recall dreaming when they're uh, really, really high uh, constantly on cannabis. So when they stop, like I say, it's like, oh, I'm dreaming again. <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. Um, I, I didn't hear about that until after I was taking my break. Mm-hmm. And then one of the first, and um, I have to say, it is probably one of the most true uh, uh, experiences that I've ever had, which is when I stopped, oh my God, the dreams came back like vivid and vivid uh, very long really long like it felt like i mean (laughs) you're supposed to be sleeping eight hours but for some reason it never feels that long right but when i fucking slept and was sober it was an eight hour sleep (laughs) you know yeah yeah i know exactly what you mean by that um yeah uh and you know a lot from what i've read actually for better or for worse a lot of those dreams actually come back as nightmares um for me that was true I don't even have a I don't think I have a, a terribly frightening past, but that those you know, when you do stop smoking, those vivid dreams, for better or for worse, aren't always the best dreams. Well, I think it's a uh it's your body, like we say, this is how I kinda of related it. It's your body and I'm not a fucking scientist at all. By the way, we can curse on this show. Um, oh, I fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like your body adjusting back to homeostasis. And since you've been missing that slight cycle of sleep, your body, I mean, I've, I am fascinated with dreaming and the fact that your brain produces dimethyltryptamine in order to, you know, kind of produce the visuals that you see, the experience that you have. Your body produces that organically. But, uh, I mean, if you're not going through that cycle of sleep, your body's not producing that. This is all to say that it could be pretty overwhelming when you return to dreamland. You know what I mean? Because it's like, oh, yeah, we dream. <laughs> this is another part of life. And that's very well said. Um, I, I, I agree. I think that the, it is actually also more intense because you actually get that full uh, drug, that, that full uh, uh, uh chemical release in the body of dimethyltryptamine yeah um so yeah it's because you haven't had in a while now your body's releasing this drug naturally again you do have those more intense dreams yeah um so let's move on from what i think is um you know the peak of of uh abuse liability to um the fourth stage and that is the relapse. And the reason why I call the last one the peak is because I think the first one, or not first one, sorry, dependence is when you become dependent on the drug. And relapse is when you're, you're, you're healing from that dependence. Um, so relapse is defined as the reinstatement of a drug after a period of abstinence. Um, and there's a lot of research that suggests that's caused by stress. Uh, whether that be cannabis, cocaine, heroin, whatever the drug might be, caffeine. Usually it seems that stress is the key motivator uh, for relapse. Oh, yeah. It's just like, fuck it. Let's smoke. Yeah, it's you been know, a fucking awful drink. day. Yeah, it's been a fucking awful day. I, why, why shouldn't I enjoy myself? Right. Um, and because of that, relapse occurs. Um, now, I don't want to get too far down a tangent. There are actually ways that scientists have developed to measure reinforcement, relapse, tolerance, dependence, um, and the and uh, different drugs will produce different levels of severity 
uh, for each of these parameters of abuse potential. For example, the dependence of heroin is going to be much more intense than the dependence of caffeine or cannabis. And I, I do often make the comparison of um, coffee and cannabis. I think that those um, what they both uh, stimulate the endocannabinoid system, right? Caffeine yeah. is a stimulant. Cannabis tends to be sedative, can be stimulating at times, but not in the same way that coffee is, obviously. Yeah. I wanted to give you room on that. I have just have to agree really strong, uh, strongly because you think about how normalized coffee is in our life. I mean, we've got, I've got signs in the lobby of the place I work at it's coffee break, you know, and it's got the coffee station and all yep. the paraphernalia to do your drug, which is coffee. Yes. Um, you know, and, and it's totally normal. Uh, if, if I'm running a little slow in a meeting, somebody will ask Cole, have you had your coffee this morning? You know? And, uh, yep. yeah, you know, and I, I think, I mean, I've kind of been a vocal proponent of this not gonna beat around the bush i think that cannabis is becoming as normalized as coffee and I, I the reason i prefaced it that way is because i wanted to say for better or for worse right you know i actually very much agree on that point and kind of like you said for better or for worse uh, ca ca uh cannabis is becoming a lot like coffee and i actually i'm on the side of it's for better yep. like let's we're, right now we're talking about one of the more difficult aspects of cannabis, right? Which is, is drug addiction. Um, but I also think that might be a healthy thing that, you know, if it's like caffeine and your friend says, oh, yeah, I'm taking a break from caffeine for a bit. Yep. There's not a lot of judgment there. Right. And that's how we kind of need to be with cannabis, for example. Sure, you might start using it too much. And yeah, it's also a healthy thing to take a little break, come back to it and have a healthier relationship with it. I think that's, I mean, at least that's what I found worked for me. I'm sure there are people out there who shouldn't drink coffee ever again or shouldn't ever use cannabis ever again. And yeah, but at the same time, there shouldn't be any judgment for that either. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I'm one of those people that can't drink. I, I, I need to be careful if I drink a full cup of coffee because I don't drink it often. And if I do and I overdo it, I am all over the place. And I liken yeah. that to if one of my coworkers who doesn't use cannabis often, which <laughs> most of them do, but uh, <laughs> let's just say let's yeah. just say that they didn't, right? Um, I would liken it to to that. Like they don't shame me when I drink too much coffee, and I wouldn't shame them if they, you know, got a little too spacey off of uh, you know cannabis in the morning, right? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, like and you say, in that way, it's for the better. Yeah. Yeah. And in that way it's for the better. And I, I, um, I do hope to see the cannabis industry continue to move in that way. And a part of the reason why I'm actually really talking about cannabis use disorder now is because, you know, one thing that I really, I love cannabis. I love the cannabis industry. I love the cannabis space, but my one big, big, big bone I do have to pick with them is that I've been into multiple dispensaries and I've heard countless people say something along the lines of, oh yeah, cannabis isn't addictive. And I think that is not something we should be saying in the industry. And I uh, want to it, clarify, you said, because you cut off for me, maybe you didn't for the people, but you said they're, they're saying it isn't addictive? It is, yeah, people just in ah. general say, oh yeah, cannabis isn't addictive. Right, right, I've heard that. And it's just something that I think we need to start getting actively getting away from in the industry so that we can offer help to people who do find themselves addicted. Right. I think it's because we have this image of drugs and how people interface with them. And so, um, for example, people might say that cannabis isn't addictive because they consider, you know, maybe they've just tackled a, a cigarette addiction and they're like, <laughs> It doesn't even compare, you know, or, or mm. um, whatever addiction it may be, alcohol. The other thing about it is people are, yeah. people like to say, well, it, it's it's healthy, which is a, a a large misnomer. And and one of the things they say to to back that up is, uh, you can't overdose on cannabis, which which just simply isn't true. Uh, yeah, we talked about this with our uh, in our podcast with uh, uh, EIU. She said, well, you can't overdose in the typical sense, like people think of when you overdose on heroin where your heart stops. 
you can overdose on cannabis. You can take too much cannabis. I mean, you, yes. you can. Some people know that very well. <laughs> I know that very intimately. Yes. Um, yeah. I do think that is a, another issue. Um, you can't but, overdose on cannabis. It, yeah, you can, but it won't kill you. Right. So I think that's all to say that people have this, like, they, like, apply the reasoning that they have with other drugs to this drug. Yes. Like, the whole it's healthy thing. Like, uh, oh, it's healthier than smoking cigarettes. Well, breathing air is healthier than smoking anything, right? So you yes. shouldn't really be inhaling uh, carcinogen. But anyways, I'm kind of – I digress. No, um, you're like you're you are entirely on point, actually. I think that, um, uh, you know – Certainly yeah. there are more healthy methods of ingestion available with cannabis, right? But, yes. And in fact, whenever I'm – uh, you know, working with the patient, it's been a while since I've actually worked with the patient because right now I'm actually going back to school. But um, whenever I do find myself in a dispensary, um, working an odd job, I usually do find that a tincture is what I end up recommending to patients these days. Yeah. Um, you're not smoking it. You know, you can dose out whatever dose that you see fit. Um, you know, when I when I really worked in dispensaries and my tolerance is through the roof, we used to joke that we that we like to macro dose, which is like taking over 100 milligrams in an edible, which is tons Hell of fun. Yeah. Don't, get, don't get me wrong, but we're definitely um, abusing cannabis when we do that. Um, you know, we're definitely using that drug for pleasure, not yeah. for medicine. Um, and uh, if you're going to take it for medicine, usually you're going to find yourself between two and a half milligrams of THC and CBD and like we'll say 20 on the high end, but that's really high. Like I'd say more like 12. Yeah. Really your point is when you're purposefully taking more than you need or, and in, the, in, in some cases, if you don't need it at all, if you're just taking it for the fun of it, that is where it can become a problem because well, you can't right? Kind of the, the point is right. Um, back to that earlier phrase which is um drug abuse is the um non therapeutic use of a drug even once sure yeah right um and respectfully to myself and to a lot of people who work in the cannabis industry i i personally for myself used it non-therapeutically quite frequently mm -hmm. um and you know even now with a different relationship with cannabis, every time I use it, I should be honest with myself. It's technically drug abuse, not in this, in, in this sense of, and it's a terrible phrase because it has so carries so much stigma with it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's, I, you know, I'm using that drug non-therapeutically. Maybe that would even just be the, the, the softer way of putting it, but it's also the honest way of putting it. Yeah, not non-therapeutic, non-therapeutic use. Yeah, I like. Yeah. That. Um. I I I will still advocate that I think people should have the right to use drugs recreationally. I do think that there is um value in that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. I wanted to say that really quick. I mean, we've been taught that we need a justification for everything, and in if you want to use the drug, I think in the the correct way, you should justify your use. But if you just want to get high, I I don't hold any feelings against you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um. Actually, you know, I I don't want to go too far off a tangent. I did. Sure. Yep. I've done mushrooms once in my life, only once. My best friend, we went we went camping, and he had an eighth of sh uh, quarter ounce of shrooms. Split it between the two of us. My friend, yeah. being the crazy man that he is. Uh, gave me a full eighth for my first time. A lot of people would say that's, you know, average. Others wouldn't say that. And when I did it, oh, my God, man, I literally found God for my first time. Yeah, man. Uh, and uh, I say that semi-jokingly, semi-seriously, sure. but I had a very powerful spiritual experience, and I wouldn't trade that for the world. It was one of the most valuable drug experiences I've ever had. Yeah. Um, and that's one of those times I've taken a drug non-therapeutically and I go, wow, this totally changed my life. And it ended up being therapeutic. 
it did end up being therapeutic. And yeah. sometimes, you know, I, I, call me crazy. I think that's that's a great that's a great and beautiful aspect of drugs. Yeah. But it's also being aware that if I were to start taking shrooms regularly, you know, four or five times a week, seven t- days a week, you know, and then I stop being responsible for myself is when you start to get into um, what we're going to start talking about, which is substance abuse disorder, right? Which is different from abuse liability, which is what makes a drug, what's the abuse potential that this drug has to be used for abuse, right? Mm -hmm. Which is what we've been just discussing. But the problem is once you start getting into abuse disorder, where it's not just using this drug occasionally um, for non-therapeutic uses, you're using it chronically for non-therapeutic uses. Yeah. Using the chronic chronically. Using the chronic chronically, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so actually, let me pull that up real quick. Um, Folks, once again, we're joined with Scott. Uh, we're just talking about cannabis use disorder and uh, abuse potential uh, for, for the drug that, that we all you know love and respect. I hope that you guys have respect for the drug. Um, this is really the point of today's conversation. So, yeah. Uh, well said, um, respect for the drug. I think that's, that's a excellent way of putting it. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the symptoms of the DSM five. Um, what is DSM five? The DSM five is the, um, Oh God, I need to, it sounds like a good up. drug. <laughs> Sounds like, you know, DM, like, uh, yeah, it's a kind of DMT or something. So the DSM-5 is the psychologist's guidebook to all of the many uh, 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 psychological disorders that are out there. Would oh, it actually yeah. stand- I've read it multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it's um, it, 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 its actual name is the Diagnot the Diag. Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Um, and it's five because this is the fifth edition. Um, and uh, the DSM-5 defines um, uh, cannabis, dis- cannabis use disorder as experiencing two or more of the following symptoms in the past 12 months. Um Starting with cannabis is often taken in larger amounts or over a longer period of time that is, than was intended. That's the first one. Mm-hmm. Second one is there is a persistent desire or unsuccessful effort to cut down or control cannabis use. That is the second one. A great deal of time is spent in activities necessary to obtain, use, or recover from the effects of cannabis. Uh, the fourth one is craving or a strong desire or urge to use cannabis. Five is the recurrent uh, cannabis use uh, resulting in a failure to fulfill major role obligations at work, school, at home. Six, uh, continued cannabis use despite having persistent uh, or recurrent social or interpersonal problems caused by or exacerbated by the effects of cannabis. Uh, seven is important social and occupational or recreational activities are given up or reduced because of cannabis use. Eight, recurrent cannabis use in situations in which it is physically hazardous. And nine, um, cannabis use is continued despite knowledge of having a persistent or recurrent physical or psychological problem that has likely been caused or exacerbated by cannabis. Um, uh, 10 being uh, tolerance as defined by either of the following. Um, a, a need for uh, increased amounts of cannabis to achieve intoxication or desired effects. B, markedly diminished effect with continued use of the same drug or cannabis. Or uh, the final symptom being withdrawal as manifested by either the following, the characteristic withdrawal syndrome of, for cannabis um, or cannabis or a similar drug such as like spice. Um, is taken to relieve or avoid withdrawal symptoms. I know I just kind of droned on there and just list off. I said 12 initially, it's actually 11 um, symptoms. Um, But that's, those are the 11 uh, symptoms as defined by the DSM-5. And it is considered mild if you are experiencing two to three of those symptoms, moderate if four or five symptoms are present. 
and severe if six or more symptoms are present. For me, when I read that the first time, I related to each and every one of those symptoms. Mm. And, and I was just like, hmm, I might have a problem on my hands. <laughs> yeah. And that's and I and um, I, I, you know, I, I like to say it lightheartedly because I kind of thought it thought of it to myself lightheartedly, you know, um, which is, oh, whoops, look what I did. Right. And, um, you know, forgive yourself, laugh at yourself and be able to go, OK, well, this happened and I can get better from it. Yeah. Fortunately, it's just cannabis. Am I right? Fortunately, it's just cannabis. Right. And, you know, similar similarly to caffeine, kind of like I said, don't judge yourself. Don't judge others around you for um, experiencing this. And, you know, one of the greatest things that I think really occurred for me was um, I got a lot of support from friends that I did not expect mm -hmm. when I said, hey, guys, you know, I I'm taking a little break. I think that I, I might be using cannabis too much and it's impeding on my person my personal life and i um am just going to reestablish my relationship with it mm -hmm. um i got support from from my family who i'm sure sure were eager to see me not use cannabis for a while anyways i got support from my friends many of which are in the cannabis industry still and are still passionate and love cannabis um and when i put out a presentation um through um uh, the uh, Medical Cannabis Student Association, uh, and even you saw this, reached out, yeah. you know, wanted to discuss, wanted to discuss the topic, you know, another just more motivating factor that was just really made me feel positive um, that I'm not alone in experiencing this and that it's a subject that should be discussed more in the cannabis industry. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I've not really talked about it on the show before, but uh, I've been trying to figure out if I <laughs> have an issue. Um, that's why listeners that, that are regular listeners may notice that I've been tinkering with tolerance breaks over the last month or so. I've been trying out uh, changing my uh, routine of consumption. And, um, you know, I think this is a conversation that that we need to have. Um, I, I, um, I already know that there's going to be some people that are quick to get defensive. I won't lie that there are things that I, you know, uh, there are thoughts that I have about it and I'll talk about a few of them, you know, uh, it's almost like I can't tell if I'm trying to reason with myself or giving my, give myself an excuse. Like, so here, let, let me. Why don't we just dive into it, right? Shoot. So, um, I guess my thought is like, and this is why I wanted to have the conversation today too. So there's like two sides of this, right? Yeah. Because it's going to start out sounding like maybe I'm disputing what you just said or whatever. But the the reason I think it's important to have this conversation, I'll start it off with this idea, is because Please. anything and everything can be abused. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's Absolutely. that's a good thing to start with. Uh, Joe Rogan has a really funny uh, bit where he says, you know, you can abuse cheeseburgers, and a lot of people do. You can abuse a fork if you want to. You can take a fork, and instead of using it properly, you can stab it right into your leg, right? So <laughs> um, you, you can uh, you can abuse anything. Um, he, he recently had somebody on, the, on his show, which I know some people are rolling their eyes because people have opinions about Joe Rogan and rightfully so, um, you yeah. know, whatever. Uh, so, but he had a, a pretty, uh, esteemed, uh, art, uh, author on Michael Pollan. He wrote a, a, book called your mind on drugs, I believe is what it's called. Your brain on drugs. It's either your brain or dr on drugs or your mind on drugs. If you just look up Michael Pollan, you'll find the, the book. It's his most recent one. And one of the things he talked about with, with drug use and I was not in agreement with him when he started this. And you, I might even lose you all here for a second. But he said, with drug use, mm -hmm. it's it's it seems to be. I don't think he says it like as if it's fact, but it seems to be the best way to use drugs is ritualistic. This is where he lost me because I think of rituals and I think of like people singing around the campfire. I don't know. I just think of bullshit. 
and <laughs> basically just I just think yeah. sometimes rituals you know whatever um, but when he explained it it's like part of the ritual like we've got a ritual with consuming alcohol for example right so yes. part of the ritual is you know it's five o'clock somewhere what that means is you don't start drinking before five yeah <laughs> part of the like if you start drinking I come over to your house at 11 a.m. You might say, hey, Cole, you, you having a beer already? Like, it's uh, a little early. It's because I'm a little bit out of the ritual. Another part of yeah. another part of uh, the ritual of consuming alcohol is, is consuming it together in a bar, right? In a social setting. Uh, another part of con- the ritual is, is not over-consuming, right? If you over-consume, that's not pleasant to deal with, and you're, therefore you're going against the ritual. Um, yeah. if, you get, if you get in the car and drive while intoxicated that is against the ritual that's a new adaptation to the ritual by the way uh this is this, this last one is uh a, a more new you know because cars just came around within the last 100 years or so right yeah but uh a, a, a very recent addition to the ritual is don't use your mobile phone when you're uh consuming alcohol right like to don't be texting your ex-girlfriend or whatever like that's not a good idea i say yeah. that for comedic effect this all that is all to say that I like, um, you know, you break the ritual, you, you start and by breaking the ritual, it's a very vague way of saying you start to use it out of, uh, you start using it excessively. You start using it at odd times. You start using large amounts over consuming. You start putting yourself in danger. It's like, those are all, think about it. You just listed off 11 check boxes yeah. where it's like that, that's how you, that's, where people have the potential to break the ritual. So I went all over the place, but my point, I want to return to my main point, which is that I know a lot of people may, might be listening to this podcast and they might be wanting to type up an email and tell us about how cannabis is totally not addictive for them or whatever. And, and that may be the case for you. That, that yeah. may be the case that you, you may not have uh, an addictive personality and that that's just fine. But some people, the point I'm trying again, just, I like to put it in a bottle anything can be abused. Yes. And one thing I would like to emphasize on, just like how you might have a cup of coffee every yep. day, um, you might have a joint every evening. And, you know, that, sure, it, even if it's not therapeutic, so to speak, there's not, there's nothing wrong with that. I, yep. I, I personally am in the, in the category of if it, as long as you, you don't start experiencing those 11 symptoms that I mentioned. Yeah. Um, when I, when I gave the speech recently, somebody asked me the question, well, how much cannabis does it take to experience cannabis use disorder? And my, my answer is it's not the amount so much as how does it affect your daily life? Right. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, what was their question again? How much cannabis would it take to put you in cannabis use disorder? Is that kind of what their question was? Yeah, how, how much cannabis would it take to experience cannabis use disorder? I oh, know gotcha. I'm not phrasing. I'm, and I I'm, understand. No, I yeah. get the question, though. Like, yeah. they're trying to figure out, like, hey, uh, you know, is there, like, a metric? Like, if you consume over seven grams a month, am I, you know, am I... Like, they were trying to look for an easy answer, I guess, and, uh, you know, and so I, I get where the question is, is coming from. Um, but, yeah, like you say, it's really about how it starts to affect your life. Like you said, I want to just use you, 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 you know, you can speak to this, but like you said, you just found that it wasn't productive for your lifestyle to, to have to take a bong rip before you left. Right. Yeah. You found that it was causing issues. Yeah. I and mean, that in and of itself is like a personal discovery. Right. Oh yeah. And for me, it was like, for example, I, I love my family and they don't smoke weed. Um, and for, you know, me and my dad would go to the Giants game. Before we'd go to the Giants game, I'd want to take a bong rip. Mm-hmm. And bless my dad for being patient as he is, um, because I kind of was like, "Hey, you know, that might be inter- interfering with my interpersonal relationship with my parents." Yeah. yeah. Right. And um, you know, that's not something I want to put on them. You know, I love cannabis, but it shouldn't be interfering with my life to a point where if I want to go and do something else fun, I have to do this thing first to be able to have fun doing this other thing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's just not where I want to be. Well said. Yeah. Well said. Well, um, you know, I guess 
this has been a good discussion because now we've we've broken down what it is and we've given people the means to research themselves you know some of these terms and you know maybe how how it fits into their life or hopefully it doesn't i i don't wish uh, a use disorder on, on anybody i don't want anybody to have problems but if this uh, if this is the start of the the solution to your problems that i i hope i hope that that's i hope that this is serving a good purpose if it's not just teaching you that this could be a thing if it's teaching you that this is a problem you're experiencing right now i don't know i just hope that as i always say this podcast has been uh, beneficial uh, to you, our listeners. Um, I want to close out with, I guess, some just some discussion. Um, you mentioned that the rates of reported cannabis use disorder is up. Is that, did you say that or? Oh God. Um, I if I'm remembering that incorrectly, maybe you were just saying it, it's becoming more common. I don't, I don't know exactly what you're saying. I, I, what I, th- what I was trying to express is that it's something that I think people are beginning to become more and more aware of. Okay. Not so much yeah. that they, that the rates are up so much as I think people are beginning to become more comfortable with the idea that su- cannabis can be a cause of substance abuse disorder. Well, and I think that's – I was going to have a different conver- uh, conversation with you, but now I'm on the same page. Uh, I think that is a result of the normalcy, which is like we were applauding earlier. We were applauding the the ad- you know, the acceptance, yeah. the you know whatever else. Um, I think it's part of – like if you had to be in the shadows for so long and you were using cannabis, quote, medicinally or however you may have been using it, and then it starts to become acceptable. It starts to be something you talk about, and maybe you go you go over to your friends and you smoke a whole joint to your face, and he's like, "How can you do that?" I'm not speaking from personal experience. That's never happened <laughs> to me. Um, they're like, "How can you do that?" And I'm just like, "Hey, you know, it's uh, it's good stuff." I, what what you can't do this, and you know, um, gosh, I lost my train of thought. Damn it, um, fuck, lost my train of thought there, folks. There, it's an, hey, I told you I'd do it at least <laughs> once. <laughs> It happens, and um, you know I'll, I'll I'll pick up on that. One thing that I'll say is, um, you know, you can still have a tolerance and not be, uh, 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 and not have substance abuse disorder. And yeah. substance abuse disorder also comes in levels of severity, right? If you're only experiencing two, it's mild. If you're experiencing six or more, it can be severe. Um, so you know, it's it's not always. Oh no! I'm beginning to experience um, reinforcement. Yeah, you know, or I'm experiencing tolerance. It, to me, it's once you start falling into dependency, when your body's beginning to adapt to just having the drug in the body and needing mm-hmm. it for homeostasis. That's when you start getting into trouble. Gotcha. I'm sure remember. others would disagree with me, but that's that's my take. No, I I, I think that's a good take on it because, like you say, it, it shouldn't just in the example where I lost my train of thought. It shouldn't be that like because I can smoke a whole joint to myself, that that's a problem because there's a lot of variables that factor into that. I mean, even edibles, right? So you, earlier you mentioned generally people start off with a two and a half milligram dose of edibles. Well, some people have intestinal issues which require them to take larger doses. So it's not yes. so much that you require a larger dose that it's the problem. It's really when it starts to impact your life and interpersonal relationships, your you know, homework, um, all of those 11 factors, you know, that we, we listed off. Um, I remembered what I was going to say. It, it, I think that maybe people are becoming more comfortable with talking about it just because it's becoming normal, right? Just a simple, like, because hey, other, otherwise they had to, they, they wouldn't confide in you and say that I think I yeah. have a problem, right? They wouldn't even yeah. talk to you about their use at all. Yeah. So. And if you, and if, you know, any listeners are out there and they are, they feel that they might be experiencing these symptoms please go get help, go to a psychologist. That's what I did. And it was really helpful for me to work through issues while I took that break. Yeah. Good advice. Really good advice. Yeah. Seek out professional help folks. Um, you know, I, like I said, during this podcast, I am by no means professional. I'm just trying to give you the information, uh, to work with. Right. So if this sounds like something that's causing you a problem and you, and you feel the need to solve it, I wish you the best of luck. Um, if you don't think it's a problem, that's awesome too. Um, whatever, you know, we're just trying to help people that need help, right? 
Yeah, we are just trying to help people that need help. Um, and may, it and, cause aw- awareness to this issue, issue, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, you know, it, it's a tough line to walk, especially in the cannabis industry, to discuss these things because I feel like you know it's funny. Um, everything is politics, is what they say, and mm-hmm. uh, I genu- I genuinely believe that this is a very political conversation in the cannabis industry not oh, yeah. to say not to say liberal or conservative but more to say there are people in the cannabis industry who would take great offense to pointing out that cannabis can cause substance abuse disorder and those who i think are more level-headed and obviously i i would say level-headed because that's the camp i'm in but would agree that <laughs> yeah. cannabis use disorder uh is a thing yep yeah, and I uh, fully anticipate that being a reaction to this this episode. Um, I, I fully anticipate that somebody right now is sitting here writing down a list of how cannabis isn't addictive for them. But again, if you're sitting there doing that, I say, yeah, that's that's you, right? Other people can have issues, and and people do have strange issues with 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 different things. I mean, have you seen my strange addiction? The person that's Eating toilet paper. That's such a stupid example to give there, but you know what I mean? That's people a good can, example, though. Yeah I, yeah, I mean, people can get, again, you can get addicted to anything. And if you aren't addicted to cannabis, that's awesome. Um, uh, you know, good, good. That's awesome, right? You should be happy that you don't have to deal with that issue. Uh, yeah. And, you know, one, one thing I would say to somebody who does disagree with me is great. You know, I, I'm I'm a grad student and I'm getting my MS in medical cannabis science and therapeutics. Emphasis on the word science here. Prove me wrong. Gather yeah. evidence. Do research. Um, put out a, a, a peer-reviewed journal. I'd be happy to read it. And um, I'm sure many of my other grad students, many of whom I'm sure would also disagree with me, would be happy to read it. So, you know, just like everything else, um, you know, and even with the coronavirus, science leads the way. Um, research, research, and more research. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. I think that was a, a great way to, to close out the show. Uh, one thing I guess I do want to ask, you had sent me some uh, citations uh, via Instagram. Um, yes. Do you want to share that here on the show? Or I can just uh, post it in the description if you don't have your citations pulled up uh, um, right now so that people can do some research. You know what? Please post them in the uh, um, description. Yeah, please post them in the description. Cool. Um, yeah, that would. We'll, do, we'll be, do that, folks. So if helpful. you if you see if you check out the podcast description, folks, and you want to do a little bit more research on some of the uh, sources, maybe that we gathered this information from, uh, you you will just paste our citations into the podcast description, and you can run from there. And as always. Uh, this is an open conversation. You know, uh, if you want to go to chillinoy.net slash contact, you can fill out our contact form. Uh, that'll send us an email and, and we can, you know, gather your feedback. And we might have uh, Scott back on in the future. If you have any particular questions for him, I could obviously forward those along. Um, but yeah, I just, I want to put, put that out there for folks that maybe want to continue this conversation. Just, reach out and uh i'm sure this isn't the last time we'll be talking about uh about this i actually scott you know um before i had you on uh earlier this week uh i don't know if this is released yet because i don't i don't know when i plan to release this podcast that you're listening to right now or this one that i'm about to reference but i had dr lee on and we talked about cannabis use disorder as well that's all to say folks that this topic's uh not going away and, and as such um you know reach out and and i want to include all perspectives and like scott said if you've got any um sources that you think go in the other direction just hypothetically for example um reach out i'd love to hear it i need another excuse to smoke weed so um (laughs) 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 so um jokes aside uh really good conversation today scott i thank you so much for joining and and being flexible we had to move the time around so thank you for being flexible on this of course man this this has been an absolute pleasure and uh i hope to come back on again in the future and talk about um some more stuff yeah um any any last words i guess uh before we close out the recording 
You know, one thing I, I, I'm going to quickly touch on before we close out the recording, I hope I don't yeah. go on too much here, no, is time. The, the pathophysiology of cannabis use disorder, which is uh, basically uh, – the physiology, pathophysiology is the physiology of abnormal states. Um, you know, so one thing I, I could go on and on about this, but one thing that really stood out to me when I was doing this research was when cannabinoids such as THC interact with um, the CB1 receptor, it induces the release of um, opioid peptide molecules, which activates the mu opioid receptors. These are like the, uh, uh, the endocannabinoid receptors, except for opiates. Um, and so the point being that the same opioid activation um, underlies the reward pathways associated with alcohol and nicotine dependency. Um, these mu opioid receptors appear to be a primary um, brain receptor causing uh, drug addiction. So, mm. uh, you know, it. There's a lot we we understand the the pathophysiology of how this occurs, why this occurs, and um, you know it, it's a physiological thing. So if you're experiencing this, I know I already said it, but go get professional help. It's not an easy thing to deal with, um, but you can deal with it and you can recover. Yeah, absolutely. You you, you absolutely can. And uh, if we can, I don't know how we could, folks, but if we can support you at all along the way. Um, either by continuing to the, cover this topic or share your perspective. I mean, Scott came on and he not only talked about the topic, but he shared his experience with the topic. You know, so um, if that's something that that would help or interest you, um, like I say, however we can help, um, do let us know. Yeah, please. We uh, you have both of our support. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. I think that's a good place to stop. So, folks, hope you found some benefit in this podcast. Like I say, reach out with feedback, and uh, we'll we'll take it in and, and do with that what we will. Um, I <laughs> lost my train of thought at the end of that, but hey, this is another episode of the Chill My Podcast. So we'll see you and, next uh, time, guys. Cole, thank you for yeah. having me on. Oh, hey, absolutely, man. Anytime, reach out if you'd like to come back on. Okay, if Sounds not, good, I'll, if not, you'll hear from me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Cool. <laughs>